Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy online invoicing service that gets you paid quickly and makes you look professional. Get started with a free package at FreshBooks.com. That's FreshBooks.com. This week on TWIP, the White House says, keep it real, Hasselblad cranks it up to 200 megapixels and iPads get color corrected. It's Saturday, May 28, 2011, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to another episode of TWIP, your weekly helping of photographic inspiration. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson, and joining me t- on today's show are Mr. Derek Story and Miss Nicole Young. Hey, guys. Hey. Well, hello. Well, hello. All right, let's start with Nicole. Nicole, you haven't been on for a while. What have you been up to? And and just, just before you tell me what you've been up to, before we click record, you were saying that what you haven't been up to is listening to podcasts because you don't listen to any podcasts. You are Twip, so mean. Twip audience, Nicole Young, let it be known, does not listen to Twip. I, I, I don't listen to any podcasts. I've, I've taken a podcast hiatus. Nice. So that happens when you're, let me make a nice segue into what I was going to say, writing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's you're simple, on a, you're so, on an information diet, right? Yes. So I, <laughs> I, yeah. I, uh, I've been doing a lot of writing and photographing and you know, it's really difficult to listen to. For me, it's difficult to listen to. You can't listen. And, you can't listen and write at the same time, yeah, or else you'll be writing what you're you know, listening I'm to. to I, I'm one of those people I can only focus on one thing at a time. So I'm like, ah, I can that's, listen to music. That's about that's it. called but, being yeah. human, I think. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so. No, I've, I've been doing a lot of writing. I actually have a here's a little a little plug, um, and you're hearing it first on Twip. Uh, I have in about a week from I guess the, the, the when the show is going to be out on Monday or Tuesday. A week from when you guys are hearing this, I will have an ebook out with uh, Craft and Vision on microstock photography. Awesome. So, awesome. if you guys uh, have ever, I've, I think I've picked them before. I really like their ebooks. I've liked them before I even had any business relationship with the company. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's David Dushman's company, and it's it's I you know I love their books, and I, I pump them all the time whenever they come out but the uh i really like the design of their blog or, or not the blog but the website where they yeah. host the ebooks on it's it's like the cleanest ebook site that i've seen in i don't know ever it's really cool now, my, my perspective on it is and i don't know because i don't know i don't know all the insides of it but is when you get photographers and creatives actually creating a company you know it's going to be visually appealing and that's along with the books and the design of the books so yeah. i have a lot of, i had a lot of confidence going in with the project and i've seen the you know i've seen a couple of the mock-ups so far it's not you know i think it's just in the very very final stages of being laid out and i really like the way it looks so i'm, I'm happy with it and that's always you know important so so very if cool. you know take a look at it if you guys are interested in microstock um or just are curious. They're only like five dollars, and they're actually on sale when they first come out. So, no, just before we move on. So, the book itself is it teaching people about microstock, or is it's, it just showing your microstock and no, the kind of things you do? It's a, it's a little bit of both. It's it's talking a lot about you know because I've talked about microstock on my blog, and it's taking that several steps you know beyond what I've talked about. Uh, you know, it's talking about a little bit of how microstock start started. Um, you know, I, I do give some tips on, you know, a, a few Photoshop tips 
how to avoid rejection, you know, because photos go through inspection. And I do tell my story on how I got started with Microsoft. I have uh, three other, or actually four other photographers I do case studies on, and I ask them some questions and, you know, show a few of their photos. So cool. it's it's more than just, you know, show, it's not just a portfolio book. It's actually talking about the industry and my perspective of the industry. So I've been doing right. it, you know, for almost five years now. So I think I have a pretty good... You have, a, you have an MBA in Microsoft. I guess. So. <laughs> All right, and also on the show is Mr. Derek Story. Hey, Derek. Hey, how are you guys doing today? We're doing great. What What have you been up to? Well, uh, last weekend we did an Aperture workshop up at the studio, and it went really well. And So two days, two full days of Aperture. Although I've learned that, that we have to bring in uh, some models and do some shooting just because uh, of the old saying that the mind can learn no more than the bottom can endure, so oh. <laughs> so we have to so we have to break it up a little bit, and then um, I'm getting ready to to head out to I think my next trip is to Look Three, uh, the festival, the Look Three festival, oh, cool. in uh, Charleston, um, in Charlottesville. I'm sorry, Charlottesville, Central Virginia, mm-hmm. and uh, that that's a really great festival. They actually take over the whole uh, downtown area and uh, have the festival in different uh, locations and so forth. And a lot of great photographers there. Very cool. Are you, are you speaking there or are you just, are you attending? Um, I'm going with low pro. I'm going to go and and do low pro things. Uh, So I'm going to be mainly shooting uh, both video and stills. Very cool. All right. All right, guys. Well, let's uh, let's jump into the news. There's some pretty interesting stories for us to to bat around. The first one is this is interesting. So this one is about the the Obama White House saying no to uh, or saying no to to photo reenactments. In other words, <clears throat> when the president gives speeches about certain things, like in this case, it was Osama bin Laden's capture and death. Um, it was about the, the fact that the photographers were not allowed in or historically up until this point, unbeknownst to us, um, have not been allowed in to take photos during the actual live speech. And they reenact the speech afterwards for the photographers. So, so kind of like a photo op kind of thing. So I want to talk about this. So first of all, my first reaction to reading in reading the story was, well, that's not really real you know that's not news i mean if if he has to reenact things and and re and feign sort of you know his disappointment or emotions again for the cameras that's kind of fake you know i'm not i'm not a fan of that so nicole what do you think of that well i this is news to me i didn't even know they did that uh i guess it kind of makes sense you know because of course press always loves to get funny photographs of the president so maybe they're all happy about it now they get those weird you know, strange looks on their face when they're talking. But I don't yeah. know. I, I kind of I like that. It's kind of like it's kind of like President Obama. Can you can you uh, look a little bit more concerned? Let's yeah. Take take three. Let's, well, just, you know? here, here's here's one side of it. It's he's just giving a speech. You know, it's yeah. not like it's not like he's saving someone's life. And they're like, OK, could you do that again and make it look real? You know, it's it's actually you know, he's just standing up there talking. But I, I do agree with, you know, with what you're saying is that it's good to if you want to actually if you're trying to get emotion out of the president when he's talking then that that, you know, totally makes sense. He might still be emotional, you know, after a story like with bin Laden, you know, he's probably still really feeling yeah. it. So he probably didn't have to fake very much. But I don't know. It, it could be a distraction. I don't know how well presidents do standing up there. They're used to being in front of the press. So maybe it's not much of a distraction having the the photographers in there. But when it's something really sensitive like this, you know, with the bin Laden thing, 
I don't know. Maybe, I would. I would I just. Know. I would. I would just. Uh, the, I get maybe it's the photojournalist in me. I just, you know, it's kind of like the the the, the journalism piece of it or the history mm-hmm. is already gone. You know, True. you can't reenact history and then shoot it and then tell people that it was. This is the actual history that you're yeah. looking at. You know. Oh, think, Derek, Derek, what do you think? You, I mean, is this is this the right way to go to make sure that they actually get the right shots for the photo op, or is it not? This is not history they're shooting. Well, I, I actually think it's an interesting story because uh, this has been going on for a long time. And in fact, remember, uh, did you guys see the King's speech? Uh, you know, that won the Academy Award. Uh, I, haven't, they, I haven't seen it yet. Oh though. my gosh, you got to see the movie. It's a great movie. But they they actually do this in the movie. You know, mm-hmm. so I mean, this this goes way back. It's been going on for a long time, and uh, I'm I'm kind of glad it came up because I don't necessarily like it either. And it just seems like now with the with the new tools we have, I mean, you could see it way back when. I mean, you know, if they're if they're doing like powder guns and stuff, you know, yeah. <laughs> right, which adds to the excitement and the reality. I think, uh, you know? but um, but I I think now uh, we should be able to shoot it live, and yeah. and and also uh, have the president have the space that that he or she needs, mm-hmm. you know, to, to do their thing. So I, I think it's, it's time to uh, figure out a new answer. And I think that's what they're trying to do here. So uh, I'm all for it. I want it. I want the press shooting what's really happening. Yeah. Uh, that, probably, that's the way I feel about it. It's probably a lot more pressure on the press, but now it's like, Oh crap, I have to, I have to get a good photo. And, you know, in the, however many minutes he's doing it and they have to get their spot, you know, they get their little location. I'm not a press photographer. I'm not a photojournalist, so I don't really know for sure, but yeah. Oh, they're, they're, they're up to it. (laughs) I mean, they're, they're up to it. They'll, they'll, they'll be jockeying. And and I think, uh, any press photographer, you know, that I know, and, and I shot for newspapers for a long time. It's how I came up to the business you know i i think they're going to want to do it the new way i mean i I think they're going to want it live too so i i think this is going to be fun to see how it shakes out i hope we get to follow up once they once they get an answer on how they're going to do it that's what they're trying to negotiate now how they're going to do it yeah yeah i just go ahead nicole sorry i was gonna say i'll be paying more attention to photos of the president after he gives speeches (laughs) out right from here on out just because i'm like oh now it's the new way yeah no i was gonna say i just i just think of because i i had the opportunity to go to one of the you know the the campaign speeches when Obama was in San Francisco, and you know it was just this giant crowd of people with cameras, and it was kind of anarchy, but you know controlled anarchy, and it was exciting. You know, it is exciting. Yeah, it, it was is. really exciting. It I was like, hey, you know, this is this is really cool. It's my first time at any kind of event like that, and you know, it, the the electricity in the room of of shooting and capturing this moment that will never happen again. You know, it just there's just something intangible about that that I think is just yanked away when you're like, okay, uh, all right, now let's. This is this is for the the people with the Nikon's and the Canons in the room, you know. Well, and I also think that the solution, whatever, because you know this is going to have to be a solution that's between the White House and you know and the press, right? So they're going to have to figure something out, and there's going to be negotiation about this. But I think what's interesting, the solution, whatever it ends up being, could be something that we could apply to other events. And I mean, you know, I mean, something new could come out of this. That's, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking like wedding photography. What if, what if you yeah. applied, you, you re you applied reenactment to wedding photography. Oh, I know some I photographers do it. So oh gosh, tell me about it. my, my sister, my brother and my sister-in-law got married and this is like several years ago. I don't even think I was digital at this point, but they, uh, their photographer, you know, he's doing medium format and he, he basically showed up, did their group shots, uh, you know, at the, did the wedding, showed up to the reception, staged the cake cutting stage, you know, just like, it was like, bam, bam, bam. And then he was out. 
And my, my sister-in-law was just like, what just happened? Where'd our photographer go? <laughs> so I, you know, thankfully was there with my camera and I got some pictures for them. It wasn't, I wasn't expecting it. So I wasn't like fully prepared, but I was like, what, what was that? <laughs> it's very different now, you know, but yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue, Nicole, into this next story, uh, which is about Hasselblad and their newest camera, which <clears throat> gets uh, 200 megapixels from a 50 megapixel sensor. So, Nicole, I know you know you're writing this ebook or you finished this ebook on stock photography. Let's just let's just assume let's assume for a second that iStock Photo accepted photos this large. How long would it take you to upload a 600 megabyte image? <laughs> well, here, no, they would accept one. I'm sh- I, I think they would. I've never tried, but I, I'm pretty sure they do because people will upload large panoramas and such. But um, it would only go, you know, you'd still, you wouldn't get your money's worth on it. <laughs> if, they, if they went over like an XXL, it'd be like a, you know, XXXXXXXXXL photo. <laughs> yeah. so I don't know. I don't, I don't see this in, this isn't something that any Microsoft photographer that I know of, maybe like I could think of maybe one or two that could, you know, feasibly afford one and use it with their work. But well, yeah. Ford One, this is forty-five thousand dollars. That's um, it, you know. <laughs> and it's interesting how this works. Derek, did you did you read the story? You- I did, I did, yes. So I- how how does this camera work? And would you is this on your wish list, your Amazon wish list? Well, it's not <laughs> on my wish list, uh, but I, I do think it's interesting. You know, that, so they they it's a cool technology that involves some software, but they actually move this the the, the they pixel map it a little bit so so there you know, it's moving around it's taking multiple exposures and then and then it, it makes the final image uh and that's where the software comes in so yeah 600 but you know there's there's specialty i mean you know one thing you're doing when you're a photographer you're always looking for what your niche is right you know what what is it like you know, you know we know nicole for microstock and and other things and you know everyone's sort of looking for their place, and I'm sure there's a place for ginormous images. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you know. So if you became known as in your you know in your area in your region or whatever as the ginormous image guy, uh, you know you could get your forty five thousand back. Yeah, yo, know, six hundred megabytes. I don't know what the the ceiling for image size is in Photoshop. Derek, can can Photoshop well, handle this large of image? Yeah, but you know that's six hundred megabytes before you add a, a layer mm-hmm. on. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So you got I mean, fifteen layers on your document. Now where do you? <laughs> I mean, you know, just like you know, with my five uh, D Mark II stuff, it it might it might go in. 22 megabytes but it seems to come out like 120 megabytes you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so uh oh my gosh i mean i think the real thing here that you're looking at is you know what what kind of horse of a computer are you going to use to be working say you need like a cray supercomputer or something (laughs) to open the file you're definitely going to need some horsepower though (laughs) that's crazy so i i I assume this isn't on your list and what about in the future like would you ever have a reason no to no. use this, I mean, we we bash these these you know the megapixel race all the time on the show, but you know I would love to hear from the Twip listeners of you know what do you guys think about these the race for more megapixels? And I know some people are going to say, well, for retouching, so you can zoom in and you know do fine level thing or, com- or fine level retouching or compositing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But really, what is the 
what's the use case for a camera that shoots 600 megabyte images at 200 megapixels? Well, it's really big stuff, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you're shooting stuff that, I mean, you know, there's still the thing with, with, with viewing distance and all that sort of stuff. Like, for instance, if you make a big banner uh, that hangs on the side of a building, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, shot with a 200 megapixel camera because the viewing distance is, you know, however many feet, right? And, so there's that whole thing, mm-hmm. but I, I still think there, there's probably some use for it. We just we just don't know. The thing that I wanted to bring up, and this comes up in workshops all the time, is that whenever you add a piece of equipment like this to your workflow, the thing is you have to change your whole workflow. I mean, it's not just the new camera. Now it's the new computer. It's the hard drive storage system. It's the uh, you know everything. You know, oh, every, yeah. I mean, this affects everything. So you are building an entire workflow around something that captures 200 megapixel images. Yeah, yeah I, I think I found a use case. I was just thinking of this while you were talking, Derek. Nicole, this is for you. You could get this camera and take a photo of a scene and then just crop little pieces out of the scene. And those <laughs> oh, become yeah. you get stock crop, photos, like, right? Business, right? That's cheating. Could, we, we'll, call it, we'll call it image harvesting. So. <laughs> You could take a picture of a crowd and you'd have a thousand portraits right there. You're done. I know, but boy, the model release thing. Boy, that'd be tough. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, well, hey, you know, we'll have to wait to see what the Twip listeners say about this. This is uh, really, I don't know. I mean, I, I would love to play with this, but, you know, I, I honestly can't see me selling out 45 grand for this camera. I think you could do a, maybe put a down payment on a cool well, Miami Vice style condo or something. I mean, if you get a brand new Hasselblad, you know, with some glass, you're going to spend around that amount anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, maybe that's a different show. <laughs> <What's Yeah. laughs> this week and rich photography. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's take a quick second to uh, give a nod to our sponsor for today's show. And that's fresh books. Um, just a, uh, a quick note about fresh books. They're, they're, not only are they bringing this episode to you, but they are, I actually used them last night. So, um, not actually, but I used them. <laughs> <laughs> I used them nice last. I used them last night to bill a client. You know, and I, I, you know, I'm walking. I didn't even know that they were sponsoring the show today. I know they are a sponsor of Twip, but I didn't know that they were sponsoring today's show. Uh, but I went through and I built a, qu- a client and set up a reoccurring sort of bill that goes out and it does the reminders and all that stuff. And it has my, my Frederick Van logo on there and it's, it's brilliant. It's actually really, really cool. You can set this thing up to receive payments for your invoices. Clients can pay me via PayPal, which is what I set up because I hate paper and I hate checks and all that stuff. So everything just comes in automatically. Um, it sends out, like I said, late payment reminders. So I don't have to worry about it. Cause you know, once I, I'm like a tangent guy, I'll set it and I want to forget it. You know, like, was it, who was that that said that Derek Ron Popeil <laughs> right. <laughs> set it and forget it. That's what I want to do. Set it, forget it, you know, set this thing to invoice every month at a certain time and then forget it. And it'll handle everything. It does all the annoying reminders and all that stuff. And then you can track if you're, if you're one of the people that tracks by the hour, it has a time tracking feature in there. Which is really cool. So, you know, the, the cool thing about it is you can try it out for free for up to three clients. And luckily, I only have a couple of clients, so I'm using it for free right now. Um, you can take a minute to set up an account. You go in there. You can customize it. Throw your logo in there, and, and off to the races you are. You go. But the cool thing, one of the cool things is FreshBooks is giving away a birthday cake. 
um, I believe this is every month, they're drawing a name every single month and giving away a birthday cake to, to one of our audience members. So, and you know, it doesn't have to be your birthday. It could be any day, but if you win, they will ship a birthday cake to you. So that's you know, odd. All you got to like do. It, it's so odd. <laughs> it's odd. You know, that's called marketing. I know. You know? Cause it makes me go, well, birthday cake. Is it like a, is it like a themed fresh books birthday cake? <laughs> uh, I would imagine they better put some branding on that thing. If they're <laughs> sending it out. But yeah, but definitely check that out. Um, just head over to FreshBooks.com. Let them know Twip sent you, and uh, you're off to the races. It's FreshBooks.com. All right, guys, the next story, um, I, I'm really looking forward to talking about this one, um, especially, Derek, I want to throw it by you because you're mm-hmm. plugged into all this kind of stuff, and it's about Data Color releasing a screen profiling application for the iPad and iPad 2. So we talked about this on the show a little bit. Like iPads are great for portfolio stuff and showing your images uh, to people in the field and, and even the editing and all kinds of stuff. You can work them into your, to a professional or advanced amateur or amateur workflow. But one of the Achilles heels has been color calibration and, and profiling of the device so that the colors that appear on your iPad match the colors that you saw on your desktop computer and et cetera, et cetera. So it looks like they may have cracked this nut. So Derek, what, what do you think about this? Take us through the story. So, so if you already have a, a Spider 3 device, if you have Express or Pro or Elite, then they released a new um, iPad app called Spider Gallery that allows you to basically, like you said, uh, calibrate images uh, on the iPad. Now, the way that it works is that you're, you're within the Spider Gallery. So you're within their photo management app, and you, then you can, you know, the, that's when the calibration is applied. So you use your Spider 3 to sort of run the calibration. You have to hook it to your, your Mac or whatever, uh, run the calibration, and then the images that are in the, in the software, in the Spider software on your iPad, those are the ones that, that are calibrated. So it's um, it it looks pretty straightforward. I I haven't had a chance to to try it yet, but uh, I read about it and it looks like a pretty straightforward process. You know, it's so funny though. You know, when you're doing your setup, the first thing that came to my mind was, oh man, you know, because like it was for me, it was like the iPad. I didn't have to worry about calibrating it I, <laughs> because you couldn't. And, yeah. In a way, for me, that was kind of cool because it was like, oh, finally, there's just a thing. I don't have to, you know, worry about calibrating this. I don't have to worry about being spot on because you can't. And um, quite honestly, the Im- my images usually look pretty good on there anyway. Mm-hmm. So now, of course, you know, as we all know, when you calibrate something, you think your stuff looks good. And then you do the side-by-side with the calibrated image. And you go, oh, yeah, it does look better, you know, the calibrated one. But, um, yeah, so I was actually a little bummed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Now more work. Now you actually have to pay attention. Right? I know, and now people are going to be asking me when I show. Oh, are these calibrate? Uh, I don't know. I don't right. think so. <laughs> awesome, Nicole. Would you be? Are you using the iPad yet? Yes. Oh, I've had the iPad for I don't know over a year now. I think. Cool. Um, I ha- and it, this is actually really kind of funny that this was released recently because about a month ago I actually got I upgraded from a Spider Express to a Spider Three Elite and I actually broke it out of the box about two weeks ago and and recalibrated my monitor and I was you know and, and because it was a new it was a new calibrator I was like well let me let me compare it to my iPad because I know my iPad is is 
pretty good. You know, I really <laughs> like the color. And it's funny, I and I did this recently too, just you know, because we were gonna talk about it on the show. Um when I after calibrating with the Spider Three, and if I bring up the same photo, uh, you know, this the photo that I sync to my iPad, it's identical. I mean, it's almost spot on. And I haven't calibrated my iPad. So there's a part of me that is like I don't want to calibrate my iPad because no. I think the color looks really good and I don't want to mess it up. You know, what if they say, oh, it's supposed to look like this, but I, I really like it and I don't, I, I, I think it's really good. And I don't really, honestly, I'm not going to do any, it's not, it's not off. It's not like there's like a really crazy magenta tinge to it or anything, you know, or anything weird like that. I'm not going to do any color correction on it, any, any serious color correction on it or editing. You know, I might view some photos using it as like a, a second monitor or something with, you know, connected, you know, how you have those apps that it's like air display or something where you can view it if you're doing shooting tethered or something like that. But it's not so it's well, if, in my opinion, it's not, it's calibrated very, very well. I so think so if, too. I, I actually do. And I think sometimes, I mean, we've, uh, when, Moose was on the show. We were sort of saying and how it just makes your stuff look good. You know, the mm-hmm. iPad I'm talking about. So there's definitely some magic juju in there. You know, I mean that. You know, where they know what they're doing under yeah. the hood. Now, are, are either one of you guys are either either one of you guys using the iPad two? Or are you both on one? No, just one. One. Yeah. No, I go every other. So I'll you, so you're waiting <laughs> on three then? Yeah, I'll oh, yeah, yeah. I you know I have to tell you, uh, I have no complaints with with the iPad that I'm using right now. It's it's still working great. It's fabulous. Well, as much as you present, Derek, I I would have thought that you would have upgraded just for the video out on it. No, no? I mean I'm carrying back MacBook Air. Maybe that's why. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm still so, jealous of that. I'm still threatening to get one of those. Oh Honestly, man. Oh. I, I'm waiting for an update. They keep talking about the rumored, you know, update, and then as soon as they come out, I'm ordering one. So that's what I said. On the, I think it was a, one of the previous shows when that thing comes out with Thunderbolt added uh-huh. to it. Then that's, I'm all over it. I'm that's all over it. What I'm waiting for. Oh, I, I, I'm so happy with it. I, I really like it. It's a great computer. Yeah, stop your bragging. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, wait, wait. Can I brag a little bit more? You can so, go ahead. Go so ahead. We did this thing. Uh, you know. The Aperture Workshop that I told you about. Yep. So I have uh, an Epson, uh, the Powerlight uh, projectors, which are really nice. They're really good. I'm going to actually write up a piece on it. But it's wireless. It has wireless capability with Wi-Fi. And so I was using – I was running wait Aperture. A minute, wait, wait a minute. So would it, a wireless projector, meaning you the, don't pl- – The computer talks to it wirelessly. And sends the video signal to yes. the projector wirelessly. Yes, yeah, now that's cool. <laughs> yeah, and, and audio too, and audio too, and audio. That's yes, crazy. Yes. Yeah, it's a crazy projector, and it's, and it's you know about the size of a Dell laptop. You know, so it's, um, you know, it's, so you can put it in your briefcase. So I'm running Aperture on the MacBook Air, uh, running wirelessly to the projector, and just walking around the room. Uh, you know, doing you know, working with the class and everything. And I just going, you know, this air is just like the most wonderful laptop in the world because you're just holding it in one hand and it, it can do anything that I need it to do. It's it's really something else. Which wow. side, which one do you have? Do you have the 11 or the 13? I have the 13. Uh, I, I the 11 is a beautiful machine, but I just needed a little bit more screen real estate. <laughs> and then I have to tell you, I know it's totally hokey, but I love it. The 13 has the SD card slot in it. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. Oh, I, like that too. Yeah, I just totally dig it. I don't well, know I just, why. I just got the Fuji X100, and I have a few mm-hmm. other cameras now that have a SD. And yeah. 
And so it's nice to see those actually integrated into. Well, we've talked on the show before. It's so funny that I, a lot of times now I'll grab the Canon 60D instead of the 5D Mm -hmm. Mark II just because of the SD card slot thing. Yeah. Yeah, Well, it it saves a step, right? It does. It's just nuts, but it's fun. Yeah. I don't like SD cards, but I, I like, I don't know. I, Wait a minute. Well, let's. Look, why don't you like SD cards? What's the difference? Because they're so small and they're so easy to lose. That's the only reason, really. Because oh, okay. you know, okay. CF cards are so they're thick, they're chunky. If they're in a pocket in your in your camera bag, you can find them. I've actually like thought I lost uh, an SD card once, and then I found it like buried in the bottom of my purse or something. <laughs> you know, like uh, half a you know six months later. <laughs> because there's there's a little they're so little they're like paper thin. So yes, that's they, why are. they are. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're like, very expensive too. They're like. I don't know. Ounce for ounce, probably more than gold, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not these days. They fortunately they've come down too, along with all. Yeah, of them. Not the sixteen giggers. Uh, like I got a sixteen gig for like fifty bucks. Really? Yeah. yeah, so yeah. You're thinking thirty two. You're thinking. 32. I was gonna say, does that have Chinese writing on it, or no, what is it? It's a sand disk. It's sand disk. Okay. Yeah. Uh oh, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> what, do you, what do you have in your coffee, Frederick? Hey, you know, don't don't bag on the Chinese made products. I bought an intervalometer, you know, out of Hong Kong or something for twenty dollars. That thing, I've only used it. Well, I guess I used it several times for a time lapse that I did uh, last or earlier this month, and it worked like a charm. Is, it the, is it the aperture? You know, the... yes, it's the aperture. Yeah, the aperture. yeah. I have it too. That's fantastic. I love that, and I want to. And I only have one for my six CD, but I'm actually going. You know, because they have a different uh, a different plug for the six CD. Okay. So I actually want to get another one so I can use it with my seven D and my five D Mark II. But it's twenty dollars. You can't go wrong. And... Well, you know, for for the record, I'm not bagging specifically on Chinese made <laughs> products. I'm bagging. So I did this interview with Jeff Cable. He's the the chief marketing guy over at Lex. Are. And he gave me the whole run through about how there are different kinds of SD, you know, or or what do you call it, solid state memory. There's, you know, the range of quality is from crappy all the way to bulletproof or nearly bulletproof. And the cheaper off-brand cards that look exactly the same as the expensive cards have the crappy, you know, sort of memory in them. I so that's tr- what I'm talking about. I wouldn't trust my memory to something that I didn't. That wasn't, you know, like a good brand because it's yeah. that's where your that's your memory. Those are your photos, you know. It's yeah, that's just, what I'm talking about. So if it's an SD yeah. card, that's totally yeah, right. yeah, that's from ben, from, an, from an off-brand manufacturer, then you're, uh, you know, it's kind of like buying a Ferrari and putting some cheap tires on it. You know, you don't want to do that. Not that I have a Ferrari or anything. I'm just saying. All right, guys, let's go into this next story. Uh, Kickstarter, which we've talked about on the show before, which is. I keep hearing this name, Kickstarter.com. These are the guys that, or this is the company that allows you to post a project and let it get, and let the crowd fund it if they believe in it. So this inventor found a way to create a, a clip that goes on your belt that you can clamp your camera onto. Um, and he's, I think he's over a hundred thousand. He needed ten thousand dollars to fund this thing, and he's over. I think he's at $182,000 or something ridiculous like that with 3,000 backers. So I uh, wanted to throw this out to you guys. A, would you buy this clip, uh, Nicole? And B, haven't I seen this before? I feel like I've seen a belt clip like this before. There are yeah, there are clips like this. Yeah. I, I don't know if I, I don't, there probably are. I've never seen one, but I don't know yeah. if I'd use one. I don't, partly because I don't always wear a belt. Maybe it's because I'm a girl. I don't know. You know, it's like a... 
depending on what I'm wearing, it, you know, and it depends on my mood. It depends on my, the day. I, I in the video, I in the like video, he, pants down. He, he had it. He God, had it set. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like, stopping this conversation like, right now. <laughs> he, ha- he has a, he has like a, a small, I don't, I can't tell what kind of, it looks like a, a Nikon. Is that a Nikon camera? Yeah. That is a Nikon. And yeah. it looks like a smaller camera. And I want to see him put uh, a 5D Mark II with a grip and a 70 to 200 F2.8 on there. That's what I, now I'm yeah, not trying uh, to bag on this product because well, I think his, it could be really, really his good. His jeans are going to be down like... at his knees with that. With <laughs> that be gone say, in there, I can tell you right now. Is that your camera, or are you just happy to see me? Right? <laughs> oh, That's a whole different story. We need, do we need to like move on because of you now? Yeah, I know, I know. I'm drinking Starbucks with with four shots of of uh, espresso in it, so I'm I'm in trouble right now. <laughs> it's a quad. Anyway, uh, so this is yeah, I I agree because if you put a D three on your belt and you're running around, you know, it, depending on if you're skinny or not, you know, it could be uncomfortable running around. But you know, to, in the defense of this product, he had this device clamped to a you know one of the the backpacks kind of straps, so the camera itself was sort of hanging on your breastplate up at the top, so which is kind of cool. So I don't know. I, I don't think I would use it. I think I, for me, I'm more of a traditionalist. I mean, I just need a camera strap and, you know, off to the races. And sometimes I just get rid of that and all I have is, a you know, one of those grips that goes on the side of the camera and I walk around with that. Derek, what, what do you use normally when you're walking around? Like if you're on a, like a photo walk or something like that, are you a strap guy, strapless, or how do you go? Well, you know, it's funny that we bring bring that up because um i i do have a love hate relationship with regular camera straps and and when i'm working i like them you know uh but my problem is when the camera's hanging down and i'm holding it they get caught on stuff and sometimes you know yank the camera mm-hmm. you know out of my hand and and that's that's what drives me crazy and you know a lot of people when i'm when I have my low pro hat on and and we're talking bags and gear and stuff, a lot of people like the the black rapid uh, mm-hmm. straps, you know. And That's I'm seeing I'm seeing more of those uh, now proliferate, and they have a nice kind of harness system uh, where the you know where the camera can hang down. And it's kind of on a loop, and it, you know, and you can pull it up and shoot, and then just let it drop back down to your waist. And uh, you know, I think those are kind of neat, and I'm actually thinking about you know switching over to, to something like that, mainly because I'm just getting tired of having the camera get jerked out of my hand when I'm not paying attention to the camera strap loop hanging, yeah, and, and catching on. So that's the part that drives me nuts. What about you, Nicole? What's your what's your your method of choice for carrying your camera around? Well, I yeah, I don't actually I don't really have straps attached to them all the time just because I do a lot of, you know, food and putting it mm-hmm. on a tripod kind of stuff. But when I'm walking around with my camera, I use a Black Rapid. Just the real the the basic, you know, one strap uh with the one that has a little pocket in it where you can put your business cards. Uh I really like that strap and I'll probably I kind of want to get more just so I have a backup, <laughs> but it's nice because it doesn't have to be on your camera. Like I said, I I do I've been doing a lot of food, you know, just using a tripod and I have to, um, you just unhook it from the bottom of the, like, you know, the black rapid it hooks into the bottom of the tripod attachment. So it's really easy to take out and put back on. And they've even made, uh, like a special attachment. If you use a Manfrotto, uh, tripod head with a tripod yes. plate, they've made a special attachment that, that you would yeah. take out the original one and you replace it with the, the black rapid. So then you can leave your tripod plate on there and then just click your uh, camera strap right right onto the tripod plate and it's pretty safe. So I've I have never heard of anyone 
losing, you know, with they've, I think when they very first started, they had some problems with the attachment, mm-hmm. but it's, it's upgraded. It's great. I don't think I've ever heard of anyone, you know, I did, I actually did, I rappelled down the side of a, a, a you know, like not a cliff, but it was a pretty high, you know, rock and, uh, that with using a black rapid and I felt really comfortable with just letting it kind of dangle as I was rappelling down. And, and, and now they have the sport version. So it's, you know, they even have a little nicer harness even for, for, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of activity. So, yeah, you know, and the people that, again, I talk to a lot of folks about gear when I'm, you know, working with the low pro stuff and, uh, they, they like them a lot. I mean, they're, they're pretty popular. They're gaining in popularity, I think. Very cool. All right, guys, let's move on. Uh, it's time for some listener questions. Um, and these questions have come in through or to us from our Facebook fan page, Twitter, and other places because uh, our forums are down right now, and they will hopefully be back within the next day or so. But uh, question number one is from Warren. Warren says he's heard many stories about what effect airport security scanners have on camera memory cards. What's the story? Do some scanners hurt cards while others do not? Are they all safe? What do you guys think? Derek, what do you want to think? What do you think? Uh, I, I didn't um, – I haven't – heard of that i mean i I know the stories are out i mean i haven't heard of anyone that that actually had a problem and that doesn't mean that it doesn't happen i've never had a what i will say is i've never had a problem i i carry my gear through scanners and stuff all the time and i haven't had a problem this is this would have been a great question for jeff Mm -hmm. jeff cable on you know is he he would know what's actually going on there so personally i don't know of anything that's happened okay what about you, Nicole? Ever ever had any data loss from sending things through airport scanners? No, not that I know of. I mean, I've I actually in my entire career as a photographer with digital, I've only had uh, one card really kind of start to act wonky on me, and I, I think I just threw it away. You know, I'd get ever I'd get like a frame or two that are that was totally, you know, just totally I don't know corrupted or whatever. So, mm-hmm. but all my other you know, and I don't do a ton of traveling through airports, so I'm probably not the best person to ask, but. You know, you'd think we'd see more of it with all the travel photographers that we see on Twitter or blogs that, you know, are saying things about it. But, I mean, I, I remember back with film, I, I used to have special bags that I'd put my, like, you know, 3200 or 1600 ISO film in so then it wouldn't get killed when it went to the scanners. But mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's the only thing I, that I've ever had to run across was with film, but I've never sent anything with, yeah. with memory cards. Derek, have you ever lost any film going through the airport? Well, if film can get wonky, yeah, you know, really anything over 400, you know, can be affected. But I always manage to have them hand check it, you know, just sometimes they're resistant, but, you know, just kind of, you know, really nice and everything and get them to hand check it. And and then it doesn't have to go through the scanner. But uh, actually, that's one of the things that I like about digital compared because i used to be so nervous you know with with the film you know going through all the you know especially when you had multiple airports on a trip yeah you know and you know, we go should i send it back or should i you know what's going to happen at heathrow you know because mm-hmm. they sometimes don't like to hand you know hand inspect the film and it was nerve-wracking and yeah. uh digital's made that all so much easier for me yeah it seems like we should get to the point where you know, it just—it seems really analog to be carrying digital files through an airport and worrying about them. I mean, mm-hmm. if bandwidth has, was at the point where you could just put them in the cloud and then you become the backup, you know, so you're mm-hmm. you're walking through, and if you lose them, you know, you still have them in the cloud. But well, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, uh, even even 
without the cloud, they still should be on a hard drive and mm-hmm. you know and all that sort of stuff, right? Unless you just shot the images, you know, just a few minutes ago, yeah. uh, you should have them backed up when you travel anyway. Yeah. All right. Question number two is from Brett, and Brett said Brett recently became interested in fast prime lenses, and says almost all of the reviews he's read have attributed a lot of value to the manual focus ring. And the last time he manually focused, he had the benefit of an older generation split prism focusing screen. So how do you pull off accurate focusing with a modern day SLR? Nicole, what do you think? Well, and the answer that he doesn't want to hear is practice. <laughs> right. that's how, you, how do you get to Carnegie <laughs> that's, Hall? That's, right. yeah. No, it, okay. I know you can buy, like, you can buy, uh, you know, screens that you can put in your camera. I've never done it, so I don't have any experience with them. But I know that if you just do some research, do some Googling, try and, you know, find something, and, and then you just have to basically open up your camera and stick it in there. Uh, that might solve that problem. But, I, you know, for me, I've, I used to, well, I still have it, but I used to used to do a lot of shooting with my lens baby. And when I got it, I think I spent 30 days where every single day I used my camera with a lens baby. And it's a complete manual focus lens. And not only is it manually focused, you're not just you know, center focusing, you're like wiggling the lens all over the place and trying to actually find the spot to focus on. And I've used that enough to where I have, I got really good at focusing, um, with a lens baby because it's a challenging lens and that's, you know, just, just practice, just, you know, force yourself to use manual focus and just practice, practice, practice. And, uh, but another option that I advocate, I guess, is if you're using a tripod and you have live view on your camera, uh, if you're in live view, you can use your zoom feature. Like, you know, where you do, like if you're previewing an image, just zoom in a couple times and then use that manual focus and then zoom out and take a picture. I do that with food photography all the time. It's, it's so, it's actually, it's, I think it's more accurate than the autofocus and I don't, I don't like trusting my autofocus with food because I'm so picky about focus with it. So, and when you when you do that technique, when you when you do the zoom in, focus, zoom out technique, it maintains mm-hmm. the focus all the way through the zoom range. Yeah, well, I'm not I'm not okay. I'm not zooming with the lens because he's he's talking about prime lenses, anyways. Yeah. So oh, I'm not right, zooming right. with the lens. I'm zooming on the LCD monitor on the back of the camera. Like oh, if you're you know when you're previewing an image, you can just like zoom in a few times to mm-hmm. check focus or whatever. Yep. It's the exact same. You can do the exact same thing when you're focusing uh, in live view with a manual focus uh, for a still image. You can do also with video, uh, which is also a really good way to focus for that. So it's cool. I didn't know you could do that. But also, but to kind of backtrack what you just asked, if you have, I I think most lenses these days, zoom lenses, uh, you can actually zoom in. Like if you're holding it and you know, you don't want to say you have a 70 to 200, you're not going to actually be shooting at 200. You can zoom in at 200 focus and then zoom out at 70 and, it should maintain the focus. I think all newer uh, lenses do that. That's cool, Derek. So. Derek, where, where do you fall on this? Can you? Uh, what, are, what are your manually focusing or manual focusing tips? Uh, the only time I, I I love what Nicole said, and I think that's the best advice. I mean, the only time I ever do it is for tabletop photography or, or macro work and uh the the zooming trick in live view is is really nice i have a like a little hoodman uh loop that goes on the back of the lcd and uh you know so you you can i can also sometimes if i don't want to zoom in and out manually i'll just use the put that loop on the back of the lcd and, and manually focus but uh you know the other thing to keep in mind too is make sure that your diopter is adjusted 
you know, for your cameras, adjusted properly for your eyesight too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that so that you're actually seeing what you think you're seeing. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I was going to uh, say, as we get older, then you start cranking that diopter, right? <laughs> and the and the best way to do that, I think, is focus on something with infinity. You know, infinity. Then adjust your diopter so that scene at infinity looks really clear, and then you sh- you should be uh, in pretty good shape for other critical focusing. Very cool. All right. Uh, the next question is from Arthur Gonzalez. He asks about wireless flash, wireless flash triggers, um, saying the options and features can be quite confusing. Can we break down the main options for wireless flash triggers, including a cheap option, i.e. Young Guno or Gno? I never heard of that. And how do they differ? So just basically, Derek, I'm going to throw this to you first. Okay. Uh, wireless flash, what are, the, what are the basic options and, and what, why would someone want to use wireless? Well, the I only use two options in in my work, and so there's the built-in option. I I shoot Canon, so uh, and my uh, 60D uh, has a built-in wireless flash trigger built into it, as does the new T3i, as does the 7D, I believe. So, or you can get a wireless flash trigger that goes in the hot shoe on Canon. Nikon also has uh, this capability built into their cameras, and actually, Nikon flash system is really good. And uh, when you want to use this, when you want to have one or more flashes off the camera, uh, mm-hmm. positioning them for portraits or some sort of, you know, any type of photography, really, uh, you want to have the flash off the camera and you want the camera to be able to communicate with the flash, not only to fire the flash, but if you're using ETTL or whatever, some you know, so that the flash can also send information back to the camera so that the right amount of light's coming out of your various flashes. And even if you're doing ratio uh, photography, let's say that you're doing like an A-B thing where one flash is firing at full power and you want the other flash firing at half power, uh, they need to talk to the camera or the flash trigger on the camera to do that. So it's for off-camera off lighting. Yep. And uh, so I I either use the system, my Canon system for indoors, which is kind of going off a, a infrared thing, or if I'm outdoors, I like Pocket Wizard, and uh, you know, and they have really, they're really nice too because they, the especially the newer models, they do a great job of maintaining that that compatibility with your Nikon or Canon or uh, whatever camera you're using with the flash system. And uh, they have a longer range, and you don't have to worry about them as much in, in bright light. They had some issues early on, didn't they, Pocket Wizard, with, with actually working properly and, and triggering the, the flash? I think that was the TTL ones, the new Yeah, one, the, the TTL, TTL yeah. ones. Are those the ones you're talking about, Derek? Yeah, but they uh, they I I believe that all of that has been ironed out for, for some time now. The, Excellent. The latest Excellent. models... Uh, seem to work really well, really well. And so neither one of them are like the cheap. Well, I guess if it's built into your camera, it's a pretty cheap option. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, you know, my uh, my pick of the week is going to is sort of related to this, uh, you know, where, you know, you you can get a economical flash now and, and the triggers built into your camera. You've got wireless flash photography for, you know, very affordably, but, but the, I think the the issue, at least on the Nikon side, with the built-in wireless flash trigger, is that it's it's line of sight. 
um, which means the the advantage of the pocket wizard pocket wizard wireless technology is you could put your flash you could be shooting from helicopter to helicopter and lighting the other helicopter mm-hmm. uh, inside and and still yes. trigger the flash. Whereas with the on camera things, it actually needs to see that flash and be within range and for for it to trigger correctly. It, right? And it's the same with Canon too. It's it's not strict line of sight, but you know they somehow they have to visually see each other. You don't have to have them you know pointed directly at each other but yes and that is so that is the issue when in my case i would go to the pocket wizard when i'm outside of that but if i'm just in a studio right yeah. just setting up flashes and stuff it's so easy just to go with you know the built-in stuff yep i agree nicole uh what about you where are you are you do you have a wireless flash sort of workflow built into your photography well, I, I have pocket wizards, and anytime I use any kind of off-camera strobe or or, or flash, I, I just use a pocket wizard. And I do have the TTL ones, but I don't honestly I don't really use them very much for TTL. Not yet. I, I probably will in the future. I just haven't really made that you know cross that line of of awesome flash you know work. <laughs> I've just been doing very simple things, you know, tabletop uh, food photography mostly with my lighting. The last six months, that's all I've been doing. Um, and I don't have any experience with any of the inexpensive options, which is what one of the things that Arthur asked in his question. So I guess to address that, it probably would just be best for him to look at, you know, look in forums and ask on Twitter and, and uh, do some research on that because uh, there's, you know, there are some good options out there, and I've I've seen people use you know the radio poppers or I don't know what they're called, um, and you know I don't know how how if, if he's looking for something that's really uh, intelligent you know like with the TTL pocket wizards I'm not sure how those translate with the less expensive options but uh, I do know that some you know some colleagues of mine have really good experience with the TTL and using those even with strobes I think they make them work with strobes now or something it's it's really crazy and I I understand the confusion um, because you know just in general using lights and stuff can be uh, confusing for new photographers or people who are trying to get into that so so I don't know there's there's some really good books out there too that um, that explain a lot of you know, like Silarina's book. Yes, exactly. Example. Just yes. like that book. You know, yeah. he's a canon. He does canon, right? Yeah. Is he that? Does. So, I haven't read the book yet, but I've I've heard very very good things about it. So yeah, it's an awesome book, and it, you know, a lot the the stuff that he talks about in there. Yes, he's he's a canon shooter, so it's going to have a, a canon slant, but it's universal. You mm-hmm. know, light light is light, and if you understand Absolutely. your gear, you can you can apply what he's talking about in that book to the Nikon side or any other any other system that uses wireless flash. So I would definitely definitely check that out. Yeah. And then, and then there was just the uh, I don't, if of course it's not going on anymore, but the uh, flash bus tour. I, I was I had the pleasure of going to that when it came through salt lake and uh, that was really that was really exciting to watch them do their stuff did you, you know, see the david hobby and joe mcnally so. yeah i wish that they came through my area as well i wasn't able to get there but that uh, i'm jealous and next time they do it i'll be there <laughs> cool all right guys we are at that time on the show where each guest gives their pick of the week remember a pick can be software hardware gear a workshop or whatever as long as it's photography related Derek, story i'm gonna throw it to you first yeah, well, you know, this is a perfect segue for what we've been talking about because my pick of the week is the new Canon 320EX uh, flash. And uh, it's the reason why I like this flash, especially if you have a camera with a trigger built in, is that it's small, first of all. It's very compact. Um, it, it has a manually zooming head. On the back, it's all switches. So, mm-hmm. you're, you know, for your group and your channel 
and slave on and off and all that stuff. You set that all just with switches that go nice. click, click, click. Nice. And I Analog. love that because, mm-hmm. yeah, because, you know, uh, with the flashes, so one thing, a lot of times the kind of flash photography I'm doing, I'm under stress, right? There's like a, it's an event. And, that, yeah. and then I'm trying to figure out how to find the right control on the LED, <laughs> the LCD panel on the back so that, you know, to, to do something. And this makes me nuts. So I love all these switches here. And then it's a modern, I call it a modern day flash because it also has a very bright LED light in the front there that you can use for video recording or you can use it for uh, a modeling light, which is something that we don't get with, with uh, pocket flashes very often. Yeah. And this thing can go for hours and hours on, you know, on four batteries. So it's not like if you use the, uh, the LED light that you know, your batteries are drained in 20 minutes. It's, it's multiple hours with the light on. And uh, it's just a terrific flash. And then on top of that, it's, it's only about $240. Wow. For in, in the flash world, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So with the modeling light, is it actually using the strobe element and just turning that on? Because it seems like that would burn out quickly. No, no, no. It doesn't. It uses a separate LED light for modeling. So it has an LED light in the front, you know, when you're facing the flash. It has actually two two light uh, sources. It has, you know, the regular strobe head, you know, that you use for flash. And then it has a separate separate light element that has a LED. And that's what's so cool about it. It has both continuous light head and a strobe light head built into the same unit. Yeah. Very cool. All right, yeah. Derek. Thanks a lot. Oh, that. wait. It does one other thing. Uh-oh. <laughs> it also but wait, has a but button. wait. There's more. <laughs> there is more. There is more. It has a button on the side, and you can use it as a remote flash trigger for your camera as a wireless trigger. So if you're playing with the light, setting it up just the way you want, while you're at the flash, you can trigger the camera. Really cool. All yeah. right. What, what yeah. is that normal, what is that STEE2, I think it is, that, that Canon makes to trigger your flashes wirelessly? It's like fifty bucks. It's two fifty, so you can yeah. get this thing, and it, it's a strobe for the same price, basically. Right, and then if you buy like a, if you're a Canon shooter, then if you buy a sixty D or T three I or something that that has the wireless trigger built in, you're good to go. Nice. All right, yeah. look at that cash money, Derek Story. Thank you. That's right. All right, the, next the affordable <laughs> option. The affordable, <laughs> yeah, the affordable <laughs> option. You know, we should do a show just about like. Cheap ways to get really good results from photography. That'd be know? a great show. That really uh, would. Yeah. You know, because we we're always talking about all this expensive gear, and people are like, oh, geez, another thing that I can't afford. You know, should, you should have a uh, Larry Becker on your show. Who's Larry Becker? He's the uh, he work, he's a nap guy. He's uh, the oh, what's I don't know what his title is. I should know. Uh, I work for them. <laughs> he has a he has a blog, and it's um, it's like cheap shots or something like that. Oh. Cheap shots. I subscribe to it. Cool. He has a lot of really good and expensive ways to do things. So just a just a little yeah. Like we need to do like something DIY. Like hey, let's yeah. go to Home Depot and buy all this crap and, and make <laughs> a light box. You know. Well, you know, and David Hobby does a lot of that too on Strobist. He yeah, has, he has yeah. a lot of DIY stuff that's really good for modifying your lighting. Love it, love it. All right, Miss Young, what is yeah. your pick of the can week? I, can I have two picks? You may. All right, my first one is uh, CreativeLive.com. Uh, they do like online workshops and they're live, which is hence the creative live, but uh, they're free. If you watch them for free while they're happening, uh, then you get them for free. I guess I said that twice, but um, then you can, if you, if you really like it or if you want to, you know, purchase, pre, you know, workshops that have already happened, then you can go back and buy them 
I recently, uh, I've seen a few of them in the past and I, uh, Penny de los Santos had a food photography workshop and I wasn't able to actually, ironically, I was in the middle of writing my food photography book. So, uh, and I still am, but so I, I didn't have the time to actually sit down and watch it the full three days. So for like a hundred dollars, I was able to buy it and I've just been kind of slowly watching it, uh, you know, have lunch, watch a, watch a show, watch a, an hour of it or whatever. And so, but they're really cool and they have some really good people on there. So. Very cool. And that's my first that, one. That's at creativelive.com. Right? Yes. Yeah. All right. What's your next and, one? And uh, my next one is the, the Fuji X100. I don't know if, if you guys have Oh, there's, a, it, there's an inexpensive the item for you. I, I, I am too. I, that's why I did both. I did the free one and no, I did the expensive. I know. I know. See, so, I like that. No, it's, uh, it is, it is, it's about $1,200, $1,300. Or you can, I think people are buying them, you know, probably trying to sell them for more because they're really hard to come by. But I recently just got one. I got it on Monday and it's a beautiful camera um so what's what's so beautiful about it it's okay well the the biggest reason well there's two like kind of you know reasons that kind of attracted you know that i was attracted to the camera to begin with was uh it has a a crop sensor on it it doesn't have the itty bitty minute little tiny little point and shoot sensor that most all point and shoots have Mm -hmm. uh it has you know just a crop sensor and i think it's 12 megapixels so the quality is pretty good, um, but it also has this really neat, like retro design. You know, it looks like an older camera, and it's very, very quiet. You know, it's a rangefinder. It doesn't have that mirror that's going to click up and down. And you can put it in silent mode, which is what I usually have it in. And it's just, you know, it's really discreet. You can just kind of, you know, do some street photography and not feel like you're, um, you know, when you're with an SLR and you're getting down and you're taking a picture, people notice you. And this is just a nice little camera to just quietly take some photos and you know it has a it has a built-in electronic viewfinder that you can just switch oh the viewfinder is amazing yeah Yeah, i I like the the optical i really like the optical viewfinder because it's uh you're looking at what's actually happening it's like it's like an slr you know you're actually seeing uh you know through the lens you're not really seeing through the lens on this it's a rangefinder but what it does is within the optical viewfinder which is you know you're actually seeing live stuff you there's like a frame inside of it that shows you where the image is actually going to be because you see more of the scene than the, what the the camera is actually going to capture with the lens so to kind of get around parallax error which is to you know just to kind of refresh your minds what parallax error is when you photograph with the rangefinder the viewfinder is in a different location than the lens so you're seeing a different image than what the camera is actually going to capture so it has a little frame within the viewfinder within the viewfinder that shows you where the photo is actually going to be taken so you can kind of line up your scene but you see around the picture you know with the picture too so that's why i like the optical viewfinder uh the electronic uh, viewfinder is really pretty fancy too i mean they have the electronic level in there and it's really really cool (laughs) so is is this a camera that you like is this your new photographer bling like you're walking around with this over your shoulder all the time i have well the cool thing about it is i can put it in my, my, I have like a Timbuktu bag that I carry with me, kind of like my, my purse, you know, I throw my iPad in there and my stuff, but it fits in there really well. It fit in a purse really well. Cause it's, it's pretty small. It's not like as small as some point and shoots are, but because the quality of the image is so, you know, the, the pixels and, and it's just like really beautiful quality of photograph. I, I feel like I have a real camera with me, you know, and mm. I use my, my iPhone all the time for point and shoot stuff, you know, like, um, not, you know, it, it makes some really cool photos, but, uh, it's not like, I can't, I can't use them for work. You know, like I could, right. I could potentially create photos with this and with the X100 and use them 
probably editorial stuff is what I'll, I, I plan on using it for, uh, you know, for iStock. And yeah. so I don't want to always be in work mode, but I just like having it with me. And it's, you know, it's like a 35 millimeter. So it'll be good for just, you know, taking pictures at hanging out with friends or whatever, you know? So yeah. it just, it just kind of opens up a lot of doors and I just real that's one of the things I like about it. So I'm excited. It was expensive, but I, I think it's a valuable camera. I think it was a good purchase for me. So Nicole, you deserve it. Come on. Oh, thanks. <laughs> All right. And my pick of the week is, I think it's kind of photography related because I use it for photography, but it is not necessarily photography related. It's uh, an application for the iPad called Zite. And um, I have fallen in love with it. It is an app that you can, basically it's kind of a, an RSS feed reader that formats your your individual interests into different sections of a magazine and they really look like a magazine so it's really clean i use it for my almost daily reading and it's exposed lots of things to me that i never that i probably wouldn't have seen before um so it's really it's really cool i think it's free um you can download it and put it on your ipad and tell it things like for example me i'm interested in business i'm interested in marketing internet marketing uh photography of course the technology and it just builds different sections of my personal magazine with all these fresh stories every time i open the app and the cool thing about it that i think is i can there's a story I'm reading. I can share it. I can put it on Facebook. I can put it on Twitter. I can send it to my Instapaper so I can read it as a kind of an ebook format later if I want to, or I can email it to somebody and share it with them. So it's all in one one app, and it's it's really cool. It's called Zite. Z i t e. How is that different than? Uh, how does it compare to a flipbook? Um, it's different. So Flipbook is more of a social kind of experience where Zite is more news. So this is specifically about RSS feeds around the things that you're interested in. Whereas I think Flipbook is more centered around like your Facebook feeds and your Twitter feeds and, and what your friends are sharing and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, this one, it's, it's, you know, think of it as like your Google reader, but pretty. So, yeah. so it's pretty cool and it's free, you know, so you, you know, you can't, I think it's, I think it's free, but you can't, uh, can't go wrong. Even if it's a buck, you know, it's, it's definitely paid me back for the, the different stories that I, that it's found for me that I never, ever would have found before. So no, it's, it's free. I just downloaded it. So. Awesome. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I'm a sucker. Right. Good. Good. Try it out. Yeah. All right, we are at the end of another This Week in Photo. Derek Story, where can people go to uh, find out more about you and your workshops and all that magic? Everything that's going on goes through www.thedigitalstory.com. And uh, the next workshop that has openings is uh, the weekend of October uh, 14th and 15th. And uh, you can come see the wireless projector. <laughs> oh, very cool. <laughs> yeah, the 15th and 16th, I should say. October and those 15th. things those things fill up fast, right? So they should yeah, email they, you. Yeah, they do. So, and, and, you know, we always have a few people in each workshop from uh, TWIP, you know, and they just send me email. Uh, you can just go to the site or just go to Derek at the digitalstory.com, D-E-R-R-I-C-K. And uh, I just keep a list going and then the you know and then when the workshop opens up i send it to the people at the top of the list very cool all right and nicole where are you at online well you can find me on twitter at i'm nicole n-i-c-o-l-e-s-y and then i have a blog and i i blog pretty frequently and that's nicolezyblog.com so yeah. all right perfect 
And if you'd like to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, head over to thisweekinphoto.com. There you'll find links to our Facebook fan page or Twitter page and much more. And if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash frederickvan or at frederickvan.com. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. <laughs>